time. Today is January 15th, 2023. We are reading from the big book of AA, page 14, beginning with my friend had emphasized to the end of the chapter. Joyce H. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Revaya. I hope I said that right. Go ahead, Joyce. Please read. Okay. Um, Thank you. Sure. Joyce, okay. over eater unmuted. My okay. friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me? Faith without works was dead, he said. And how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it was just like that. My wife and I abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate that old business associate Remained skeptical for a year and a half, during which I found little work. I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink. But I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone to my old hospital in despair on talking to a man there I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is designed for a living that works in rough going. Men's to make many fast friends and a fellowship has grown up among us of which it is a wonderful thing to feel a part. The joy of living we really have even under pressure and difficulty. I have seen hundreds of families set on their, set their feet in this path that really goes somewhere. I've seen the most impossible domestic situations righted, feuds and bitterness of all sorts wiped out. I have seen men come out of asylums and resume a vital place in the lives of their families and communities. Business and professional men have regained their standing. There is scarcely any trouble and misery which has not been overcome among us. In one Western city and its environs, there are 1,000 of us and our families. We meet frequently so that newcomers may find the fellowship they seek. At these informal gatherings, one may often see from 50 to 200 persons. We are growing in numbers and power. In 2001, AA is composed of over 100,000 groups. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. Our struggles with them are various, variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity. 
but just underneath there is deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Most of us feel we need to look no further for utopia. We have it right here. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Bill W., co-founder of AA, died in January 24, 1971. Thank you so much, Joyce. And now we will have a 20-minute share from Revaya, who will shed light on these pages. We look forward to hearing what you have to share. Go ahead, Revaya. Thank you, Tasha. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Rivaya. Um, Some of you know me as Ria. Um, I am a compulsive overeater and bulimic, and this used to be my home group, and I miss you guys a lot. Um, I moved to Israel a year and a half ago, so that's where I'm talking to you from now. I'm actually in a hotel room in Tel Aviv on vacation with my family, and it just goes to show you like before you start thinking that I'm some kind of spiritually evolved person, like I spent most of the day screaming at everyone. So like, you know, just letting you know, that's, that's who we're dealing with here today. Okay. Um, in fact, I didn't even want to go on my vacation because I was thinking, Oh, I'm just going to be like doing the same thing I do at home with these whiny little bees. Like, and I just have to entertain them just in a different city. This is going to suck. You know, like this is, this is where my head goes. So I'm like a really spiritually elevated person who's going to be speaking to you today, just letting you know. Um, anyway, so, but that's why I'm on this meeting. I mean, it says it right here, work with another alcoholic is what saves the day, right? So even though we just got to this hotel and we're going to be going out later, I'm like, you guys can disappear for an hour and a half and I'm going to go on a meeting and, you know, help someone else and probably end up helping myself too. So um, Bill's story is so Bill W., this book was written by Bill W. and the first 100 Alcoholics as a textbook to send out to people who had no access to the Akron group or the New York group um, in the late 30s um, so that they could have, they could go through the same experience that these people did without their personal guidance. Um, because once word got out about AA, it wasn't really possible for everyone to come to Akron or to New York City to these groups, there were they couldn't help that the thousands of people they were getting letters from. So they were like, okay, we're gonna write a book that we can send to people with that's literally like do this and you'll get what we have. Kind of thing. Um, so Bill Bill was a salesman. He um, he was very good at sales. Um, as earlier in his story, we read about how financially successful he was for a time, um, and part of the sales pitch for alcoholics is that we went through what you went through. Um, we can't diagnose you as an alcoholic or a compulsive overeater, but this is what I went through, which qualifies me to be here. Maybe you can relate. So Bill really goes into his story here to show like, I'm a professional alcoholic. You know, I, I am qualified to tell you what worked for me because this is how far down I went. That's the purpose of this story. And, you know, when I first read it years and years ago, I sort of related with it because like I wasn't an alcoholic and I'm not a man. I didn't live in the 30s. And, you know, he used words like whoopee parties. And I'm like, eh. um, and I'm like a word nerd. So I'm like, eh, I don't know. Um, but if someone invited me to a whoopee party, I would totally go just say. Um, but as I 
started to identify in, instead of pulling myself out, I started to see where those parallels came in. Even though I didn't have, alcohol didn't have the effect on me that Bill described, when I took certain foods like flour and sugar into my system, my life looked very similar. Um, I don't know, do you not mention certain foods here in this meeting? I don't remember, it's been a long time. No, it doesn't matter? Okay, fine. It's fine. Uh, it's fine? Okay, fine. Um, so like I, by the time I got to the bottom of my bottom, I was calling out sick to work because I couldn't function and going across the street and buying myself binge foods, eating it, vomiting, promising myself I wouldn't do it again. And then 10 minutes later, getting up and going back to the grocery store. Like that was, that was what my life looked like. I couldn't, and then I would wake up and cry because I'd woken up. You know, I just, it was like, I know this is just going to be another day of me wrestling with myself with the food and I'm just tired and I don't want to do it. So, and it gets, you get to that place of like, it's too hard to live like this, but I'm too scared to kill myself kind of a thing. And, um, I was very, I say now I was at the time I would have punched you in the face if you said this to me, but I was very lucky that this happened to me early. You know, I went to my very first meeting of OA when I was 19 years old. And even though I had no idea what you guys were talking about and half of you were thin, so I thought you were spies. Um, I just, I totally did not. I was just like, okay, well, these are my people. I think somebody identified themselves as a compulsive overeater. And I was like, Ooh, 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 what's that? Whatever that is, that's me. I've never heard those words before. Um, but whatever that is, I totally am that. And for two years, I hung around and I kept coming to meetings and kind of hoping that like maybe I'd get the benefits without having to do the work because I'm an addict. Um, and then one day it just sort of, I had to just explore what my disease would do to me. And suddenly I could look at Bill's story and be like, I know what you're talking about. It may not have to do anything with what I was drinking, but it had everything to do with what I was eating. And what I found is that alcoholism is a common thread for all of us. We just choose to medicate it differently. So the people here in this group, we just choose food as our medicine for alcoholism. Um, and I'll get, I'll get more into that in a minute. So um, I wanna get into the reading because uh, we read it. <laughs> uh, my friend had demonstrated, emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. So what principles are they talking about? So if you go up a couple of paragraphs um, or to the paragraph before, they talked about how um, he talks about how there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given to me. And what he's talking about here is not only sobriety, but a spiritual life, a spiritual connection. And his job in order to keep that was to be able to give it away. And not only that, if you're committed to living this spiritual life, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to pray and meditate and then yell at my whole family all day, even though I did do that. But that doesn't usually happen on the regular. Um, I'd say like once a year though. Um, but like, it's not one thing to just say, okay, I'm not compulsively eating anymore. I'm still behaving like a crazy person, but give me credit for, you know, acting like a semi-normal adult. It doesn't work like that. I don't get a blue ribbon for like not eating compulsively. There are still some times where I do something like I pay a bill and I like wait for like the congratulations email, like good for you for being a human. And it's like, no, you're just doing the thing you're supposed to do. Like that's, you know, there's no, there's nothing glamorous about showing up and being, doing the thing you're supposed to do. But that is, that is spiritual work of doing the thing you're supposed to do. Um, but anyway, it's imperative to work with others as, as he had worked with me. 
faith without works was dead and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. So ugh, I hate that sentence because it says like there are certain low spots and trials, right? Like no, nowhere in this book do they say that you get abstinent and then you get thin and then you meet like the like Chris Hemsworth or whoever, and then like the credits in your romantic comedy role and everything's perfect. They don't say that. I, I, I've i read this book enough times. I keep looking. It's not there. Um, but basically, I had this idea in my head that I was going to get abstinent. I was going to get thin. I was going to find me a man. And then it was all going to be good from then on. So let me tell you what really happened. What really happened was after two years, of dancing around the margins of OA, I went to a meeting and they said to me, and there were women there who had what I wanted. And I said, this like cartoon light bulb went off over my head. And I was like, maybe if I do what they do, I'll have what they have. And I just got absent at that. That was March 29th, 2004. Um, And except for one three month experiment with um, intuitive eating, which I do not recommend, I did it for you. You don't have to do it. Um, I've been abstinent, thank God. So, so I, I was 22 years old. I lost over a hundred pounds in the, over a year or so. And all of a sudden I was thin, like really thin. And I was pretty and people kept treating me like I was normal and I had really cute clothes and I was super cute. And let me tell you something. I was more rageful, crazy, uncomfortable in my skin than I had ever been at 250 pounds. And you know why? Because I had not had a spiritual experience because really I was just an unmedicated sociopath. That was the problem. You took my drug away, but I was still sick. And they talk about that in the book, how there's the, the person who has a headache and he beats himself on the head with a hammer. So you think this guy has a hammer problem, right? So you take the hammer away, but he still has a headache. That's the same thing with me. I I was uncomfortable in my skin. I was restless, irritable, and discontent. So I medicated it with food. So now, and I blame my weight and the food on it. Okay, so you take the weight away, you take food away. Well, guess what? I'm not healed. The problem's still there. So that was when I got into the 12 steps and I had a spiritual experience. And um, in the middle of that, I met the man who became my husband and we got married. And guess what? Life got like 8,000 times more complicated. Like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't get, not that it didn't get better. It did but it also got freaking harder. Okay. And since I got abstinent, this is what, almost 19 years ago, I have lost my mother to cancer. I have lost jobs. I have friendships have broken up all the things that can happen. They have no one. There was no like perfect ending to this story. Life just kept happening. That's what they're talking about here. No one promises you that because you stop drinking alcohol that you're going to you're guaranteed a perfect life. It doesn't happen. But we now have tools to live life in a way that makes it perfect for us. That makes sense? Okay. Anyway, so let's continue. Oh yeah, through work and self-sacrifice for others. So first of all, I don't want to work ever. Work sucks. Can I just say that? I don't want to work. I was just talking to my husband today about my friend's daughter who was 19 years old and got engaged to this guy who's super rich and gave her an engagement ring that's like the size of my hand. And they're going to live in Los Angeles. And I'm like, she played it smart, man. 19 years old, married rich, got it out of the way, done. She can just have her kids, do yoga, 
go out for lunch every day. That's a good plan. That is a solid plan. Okay. I don't, I like that plan. I'd, I want to do that. I did not do that. <laughs> I married a guy with kids and we're not rich and that's okay. Um, so yeah, I have to work and it's dumb, but I do it anyway. And then self-sacrifice. Ugh. okay. I don't want to give up anything ever. Okay. Especially if it belongs to me, it's mine. I get it. Um, but somehow I ended up being a mom to three, a stepmom to two and a wife. And I live in a community and I'm in a 12 step program. So basically like if I want what I have, I have to share it. That's just the rule. It's a kindergarten thing. Like you have to share. Even if you don't like it, it's everybody's. So, you know, what my son actually quoted me back to me the other day. He's like, somebody else's gain is not your loss. And I'm like, yes, you are correct. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> um, so yeah, these spiritual principles do extend themselves, you know? Um, if he didn't, did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. It's kind of like um, a, an up, up going escalator. Like if you are going down, like we're climbing up the escalator as it's going down. If you don't keep climbing up, you're just going to go back down. That's just how it works. And trust me on this. I've lived this experience. And some of you remember me probably or not. Maybe you're not thinking about me that much, probably. Um, uh, remember when, you know, I was going through what I went through where I was just, a big old baby about some things that happened to me and I didn't like it. So I just decided that I need to go to meetings as much. Well, that's when the cute idea came into my head that I could, you know, start experimenting with food. And, you know, three months and 30 pounds later, that was a failed experiment. Um, so let's keep going. Um, right. So I was not too well at the time, plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. So he's, and during which he had little work, um, people were skeptical about him. So this is when he was sober. He, he was, Bill W was just getting sober. He, and earlier in the story, he talks about how he had this luxe apartment and he played golf and went to all these parties and, you know, new famous people. And, you know, now he had like no money and he was in self-pity and resentment. And let me tell you something, I am a professional self-pity and resentor person. I'm very, very good at it. If you need tips, I will let you know. Um, my phone number's on there. So it's, these are our natural default settings and, and every human has them. That was this thing I got into about beating myself up about having resentments and self-pity. They come up, it's normal. There's, that's why we have a book to deal with them. It doesn't, it's not a failure on my part if I end up getting resentful about something, but at least I know what to do with it now. And it says work with another alcoholic would save the day. And on talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. And it's true. You know, right now, I've, as I said, I've been pissed off at my whole family the entire day. And now that I'm talking to you, I feel a lot better. I don't really want to see them yet, but I do really like talking to you guys. Um, let's see. Uh, fast friends and a fellowship that's grown up around us. Um, that's for sure true. Um, I was a very lonely person for a really long time. And now I can go anywhere on the planet and have people that I can talk to at any time and call anytime when anything's going on and people are ready to hear it. And I can, I can be present with people and be real with people and I don't have to perform for anybody and I'm of use somewhere. All I was looking for for a long time was a place to belong um, and to feel like I had something to, of worth and of value to give. And now I genuinely feel that way because I'm a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and I do feel like my abstinence and the work that I do each day is an act of service. 
because it gives me something that I can give to somebody else. And all of the experiences that I go through, all the low points and the trials and the et cetera, et cetera, those are all experiences I could put in my pocket that when somebody comes to me, you know, a year, five years, 10 years from now and says, I went through this, ooh, I can take it out of my pocket and say, yeah, 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 me too. I went through that too. And here's what I did. Um, and I'm very, very lucky that I got to grow up in a way. I'm very lucky that I got to have my marriage and, and be a parent in a way. And I was talking to somebody in this group the other day because my my 14-year-old son came out to me the other day. And it was a, it was it was so powerful and wonderful. And the, the reason he did it was because I'm a safe person that he could do that with. And the reason that I learned, the way I learned to be a safe person and to listen to other people is from you guys. Coming to OA for 20 years of my life and being able to hear people say true things about themselves that might not always be comfortable or pretty or nice or fun, but to be able to be like, yeah, no, I get it. Me too. I'm human too. That taught me how to parent my child. That taught me how to parent all my kids, taught me how to be a wife. Um, and it teaches me how to be a friend also. You know, I learned how to, from you guys, I learned how to say to people, do you want me to just listen or do you want feedback? Um, I also had to learn that because I'm really good at unsolicited advice. So I had to, I had to learn how to put a little boundary there. Um, but anyway, um, so at, toward the end of the chapter, it says underneath, uh, I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity. So as many of you can, can tell whether you've heard me before or not, I'm a big believer in, in humor when it comes to, especially talking about our disease, um, because number one, it's funny. It just is. It's hilarious. Um, you know, that like, I'm such a, like, I create this problem that I medicate myself with and then like create the hamster wheel. It's just, and the, and the crazy things that I convince myself that I, I can do, it's hilarious. If, if, if you saw a tick, it's like a CNN ticker tape at the bottom of the screen of the things that like go through my head each day, it's, it's freaking hilarious. Um, so that's number one, but also the fact, I think that there's just a relief of knowing where I've come from and like, it's okay now. And like, be able to laugh a little bit. I don't have to take this thing in myself so seriously. I took myself way too seriously for way too long and I don't need that anymore. Um, but it says there's deadly earnestness. Um, so earnestness, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that I take myself seriously, but that I'm committed to the work that I'm doing. And I mean it. Um, faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Um, and that's true. You know, I have to, I have to continue seeking and exemplifying God in my life um, at all times, even when I don't feel it. You know, I, I know now, I, somebody sent me a reading the other day. Oh, I know who sent me a reading you're here, uh, sent me a reading the other day about, you know, there's nothing I can do to bring me closer or pull me farther from God. There's nothing. It's, it's a done deal. I'm already there. And by the way, I use the word God because I don't have a better one. So if you don't like that word, pick a different one. It doesn't matter. You, you know, you, you can call it whatever you want. Um, but yeah, it's, there's nothing I can do. All I have to do is to just be aware and recognize that I'm living in conscious partnership with God all the time. There's nothing I can do to break it. There's, it's a done deal. We, just by virtue of my being here, I am a spiritual being, like intimately connected to my creator. And I just have to remember that. Anytime I'm feeling disconnected, it's only because I forgot. You know, that resentment and self-pity is me forgetting that I'm like umbilically connected to my higher power. Um, and once I'm clicked back into that, then I'm okay again. 
You know, when they say we perish, yes, it's true that it can kill us. The disease can kill us. You know, for alcoholics, it's true. And for compulsive overeaters, it's certainly true. Um, but it's not just like physical death. It's also a spiritual death. It's being cut off from our source. Um, but when I remember, oh, right. Okay. That's right. Today's about me being present and connecting with God. And then, you know, being like God's Charlie and I'm the angel and he has to give me the, the mission for the day. And then I go and do it, you know? Um, so instead of me being thinking I'm Charlie when really I'm just the, angel. um, so that's, that's what this is about. Um, and it says here, most of us feel we need look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now, and dear God, is that true? There is no safer space on the planet than these meetings. I genuinely believe that. Um, and it, and before somebody wrote on the group, you know, this is a safe space, even when like, you know, crazy Zoom bombers come in here. Sometimes when a Zoom bomber comes in, I'm like, I want them to stick around for five minutes and just listen and like, you know, be like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay. So I'm going to stay and listen. And like somehow, like in five years from now, somebody will be like, yeah, no, I was a Zoom bomber and I ended up coming to an OA meeting and now I'm abstinent. You know, I just, that story plays in my head. Um, but anyway, it's true. Like when this, when that happens, um, somebody wrote like, this is, don't worry, this is a safe space. We got you. And like, that's really what this is about. This is a safe space for me to come and say, listen, I have this disease that has tried to kill me and I've tried to kill myself with it. And I just really, I don't want to do that anymore. And there are people with their arms open say, yeah, us too. Let us show you what we did. And then you don't have to do that anymore either. And then you can teach somebody else. And it gives your whole, gives my whole life, this amazing purpose and meaning and focus and clarity that I never could have found anywhere else. And, you know, I moved across the world a year and a half ago and I never feel more at home than I do in a meeting. And especially this one, because I lived, you know, I, this was my, my home group for years. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to see all of you. It's, it's good for me to be here. But the one, you know, each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. So that conversation happened in 1934. It's 2023, guys. It's the same conversation widening itself in circles. We are part of that conversation. We are part of that process. It's still happening and we get to be part of it, which is pretty cool. Um, so for today, what I will say is I'm thankful to Bill for and the first 100 for writing this book. I'm thankful to him for sharing um, his experience. And I'm also thankful that like I had enough pain that I was willing to really see where I could relate with him instead of finding the ways that I didn't. Um, anyway, how are we on time? Am I, do we have time left? You're about finished, but I'm about then... finished. All right. Cool. <laughs> so, um, anyway, thank you for having me share today. Bye. Bye. <laughs>